Blog Talk Radio. Is all. The Rams get down so nobody scores. And don't you worry, cause the Rams are rapping. When game time comes, we'll be back to Jackson. We can't sing and our dance is not pretty, but we'll do our best for the team and the city. So get on your feet and clap your hands. Let's ram it right now with the LA Rams. Hollywood Hanson, Dodge City Tough. If you throw it my way, it's gonna get rough. I like to ram it, as you can see. Nobody likes ramming any more than me. Oh, right. Nobody dresses Twitter. None of this cool is a quarterback mistreater. I come from Still the end, really. for the sack. I don't stop coming until I put them on the back. This limousine with it, my moves are like dreams. They call me the demon on special oh, team. I know how to rock and toes to the head when I pull the season. What's going on, everybody? It's the boy 3K. Here for another episode, one week late. Oh, Tur Show Radio, I want to apologize for last week's technical difficulties. That's all on me. Producer Doug Morrison has been holding it down in advance of Eminem's album. He was so excited. He had everything ready to go. We had Eminem scheduled to come on the show, sadly. I couldn't make it. What, what can I say? I guess that's all on me for not getting here for Eminem. No, but that was on me. And um, I apologize, but look, we're here again. We're here for another episode of Tur Show Radio. Again, it's your boy 3K. I want you guys to get in on the show tonight. Number is 347-857-1022. You know to get in on the live thread on the site, Tertial Times. We got the radio thread up there on the front page. We're going to have Matt Greco in from Stampede Blue. Blue Stampede Blue Stampede Blue. Coming on, talking about the Indianapolis Colts. Obviously, it's going to be an interesting matchup as the Rams are now riding their second three-game losing streak of the season while Indianapolis is a loverly 6-2 and two, coming off a big win in Houston, escaping with that three-point victory after 15 points got put up in the fourth quarter. Big win. We're going to talk about that and more on the Indianapolis side. But obviously, we got some Rams stuff that we're going to need to discuss. And it's not all good, you know. You, you get a second three-game losing streak of the season, things tend to not be good especially when you're not at the end of the season. So now the Rams hit three and six. Uh, obviously the standings don't look all that great, not doing themselves a favor. Um, but there's still a season left to play. I know, you know, a lot of people want to throw in the towel when Sam went down. And you, you look at those divisional standings, you know, Seattle obviously sitting at eight and one as the class of the NFC, perhaps the NFL. San Francisco's there at six and two. Arizona's held their own at four and four, although, 0-3 in division, while the Rams got that one early season win against the Cardinals. But 3-6 and six overall, obviously, isn't going to do them any favors. And, you know, you look at the uh, draft order, and when you're sitting in that top ten, you know things aren't going right. But it's tough. It's tough right now. Um, <clears throat> but I think there's a lot left to, to look forward to in terms of the season. With, a team, with the youngest team in the NFL, you know that a lot of what's going to go on this season is going to relate to – seasons ahead, and the players that are going to be around when things turn around. And, you know, we're optimistic going into the season, so there's no reason not to uh, think about that optimism moving forward and how this is going to play into the future 
but I think what we saw on Sunday were, were some concerns that maybe, you know, you've got to alleviate before you get to the 2014 season. Obviously, you started quarterback in Kelly Clemens, albeit not the uh, most spectacular game, but at the same time, it wasn't horrible. And you look across the aisle to Jake Walker, who threw for 185 yards and two interceptions, while Clemens was able to get to, get over 200, you know, 20 out of 35. So uh, a good four out of seven ratio in, in terms of completion and, and averaged, I think, just over six yards per attempt. So things weren't all that bad. One t- uh, touchdown, no interceptions. You know, Zach Stacy, the big coming out party, I think that was the real story. And we got a couple stories we want to get to tonight, and obviously leaving the lines open for everybody to get in. We, we can take on whatever you guys want to take on. Rob Ford, uh, the you know, Richie Incognito, Jonathan Martin stuff, and obviously anything related to the St. Louis Rams. We got open lines, man. Whatever you guys want to get into, let's do it. Um, but I think in terms of what we saw from Sunday, Zach Stacy may have been the biggest story. Really a, a big coming out party in a serious way against a performance from Chris Johnson when everybody looked at it and said, look, that's the CJ that we know, 150 yards gashing the St. Louis Rams run defense, and said a lot about the run defense when we gave up four touchdowns on the ground. At the same time, Zach Stacy was able to hold his own and show that he was, in his own right, an impressive NFL running back. Uh, that big 32-yard run was really something that nobody else on the roster can really do. And maybe, maybe solidified his position as the starting running back for 2014. I think a lot of what we're going to have moving forward, especially if the Rams drop this game against Indianapolis uh, coming up, and if after they get the bye week, the uh, subsequent weekend, they're looking forward to some tough games. Chicago, San Francisco on the road, or excuse me, home against Chicago, at San Francisco, at Arizona, home against New Orleans, home against Tampa, and then on the road at Seattle. It's going to be pretty tough. It doesn't look great in terms of the schedule. And if, you know, the Rams are to start really sinking and dropping a couple of those games, it's going to start turning towards 2014. You've got to start thinking about Zach Stacy and his position on this roster. Daryl Richardson, you know, lost – Starting position to Zach Stacy for good reason. Isaiah Peed, for all intents and purposes, will not be a Ram moving forward. You got to assume. But Zach Stacy may have solidified his position as a starting running back for that team. I'd be interested to hear from you guys how you feel about that. Certainly, based on the the performance on Sunday, it looked good. In the passing game, like we said, Clemens wasn't spectacular, but he did a good job spreading the ball around, which has been the mo for the Rams much of this season. Uh, you know, Stacy got seven targets out of the backfield, uh, you know, really high work rate in terms of the passing game. Chris Gibbons, we saw a decent amount of him this weekend. You know, the guy that was really limited that we've been used to seeing a decent amount of was Austin Pettis at the same time, Tavon Austin, two targets, just two targets. And he's really dropping out of this offense this weekend. And it's been an up and down season for him. This was certainly one of the downs. So perhaps against Indianapolis, we'll see a bounce back where he gets back up to that six, seven, eight target range. Um, but somebody else that got his, you know, big catch was Stedman Bailey. And Jeff Fisher was vocal about the fact that he's going to see some more opportunities uh, throughout the season. I'm eager to see how he plays into this late stretch run to see what his role is and if he can solidify a, a place on this roster moving forward. Sure, he may not have a Zach Stacy type opportunity to, you know, grow into a starting role and take the reins of that before the offseason even comes, but he may have a chance to get in on this team and make sure that he's a Ram in 2014 alongside his former West Virginia Mountaineer, Kayvon Austin. Um, another concern, obviously, has to be Greg Zerline missed another field goal, but I think more than anything, it's the lack of opportunities. They're not really getting great 
uh, opportunities for Greg Zerline, certainly not from deep the way that we saw in 2012. And I think that's got to be concerning for somebody who's got the leg that Greg Zerline does. Uh, he should have some greater opportunities to be able to, you know, pick those late, those deep 50 and into the 60-yard range uh, field goals. And, it, it, you know, a lot of it is just uh, situational. You know, the Rams haven't found themselves with those opportunities where it made a ton of sense. And they've leaned on the defense a decent uh, to a decent degree and, and allowed Johnny Hecker to try to pin t- teams deep and uh, get after teams defensively. And sometimes that works. Obviously, sometimes it hasn't. But, you know, Hecker did a decent job on Sunday, pinned another one inside the 20, although the field position game didn't work all that well towards the Rams' favor. So it wasn't a game that Hecker really had some great opportunities. But he certainly hasn't done a bad job this season, I think, Hecker. And Zerline are likely, you know, I don't see why you would have to switch that up coming back for 2014, but you got to think that obviously for Greg Zerline, there should be more opportunities to show off that leg. Uh, and the fact that the Rams haven't gotten him that uh, may be a concern that they got to deal with moving forward. They got to get a couple more series together where even if it ends uh, before they get on the on deep on the better side of the 50 yard line that they're giving Zerline a chance to at least put up some points and show off that leg. But we'll have to see, man. We're going to get to the draft at the end of the show. Obviously, we got a lot going on in terms of looking ahead because this Indian, the Indianapolis game I think is really interesting. It's one of those games that you hate to say it, but it may be the case that for Indianapolis, this could be the trap game. And it's sad that we're back to playing the team that's the trap game guy again. But Indianapolis is about to go on a two-game road trip. They got Tennessee on Thursday night football, so a short week coming up for them after the Rams game. And then they go to Arizona for a late 4 o'clock game next, uh, two Sundays from now. Um, make that three Sundays from now, looking ahead. Um, so this could be the game that they drop since it's the home game. They came out of the bye and got a big win against Houston on the road after that huge win against Denver uh, at home at Lucas Oil Field. Um, so I'm interested to see what happens now that they've got a St. Louis team coming to them, and they've been playing some pretty good football. They, they dropped those two games, one against Miami early on in the season, and then the, the Monday night stinker against San Diego. But that happens. They didn't play their best football. But, look, they put some good performances in. They got that win in San Francisco, 27-7. to They had the uh, win over Seattle, which obviously is Seattle's lone loss on the season. So Indianapolis can play some ball. You know, Andrew Luck is starting to come into his own, obviously an uh, incredibly talented guy. I think the concern for them, first and foremost, has to be Trent Richardson. Maybe not first and foremost, but obviously it's a big concern because, you know, giving up what they gave to Cleveland to get somebody of that talent level, you'd like to see him produce a little bit more. That's something we can talk to Matt about when he gets on the show. Um, But I think for the Rams, they've really got to be aware of this passing offense. Uh, you got, you know, T.Y. Hilton and Reggie Wayne, obviously, at the front spearheading what is a very potent uh, passing attack. And obviously for T.Y. Hilton, who can break – a uh, big, big passing game, uh, passing opportunities open. You got to be aware of him at all time. At the, at the same time, you got guys like Kobe Fleener and Darius Haywood. Bay. Fleener, obviously, the the tight end out of Stanford, is a little bit more limited in terms of what he can do downfield, but a solid intermediate guy and has shown some good red zone capabilities. Hayward Bay, say what you will, but he's going to be open. He may not finish the play. He may not come in with the ball, but he's able to get his looks and his you know, third on the team in targets, even above Fleener. So that says something about how much Hayward Bay plays into his offense, albeit with the hands that he's got. But the, the reality is this team revolves around Andrew Luck, and he's putting in a uh, really, really strong, if not phenomenal, sophomore campaign, 13-3 to touchdown to interception ratio. Um, hasn't been sacked all that much, although it's starting to rack up. 
and maybe the offensive line is a concern. That's something we'll have to bring in as well uh, to talk to Matt about coming in from Stampy Blue. Just to fi- figure out, you know, wh- where is this team, this Indianapolis Colts team right now? What, is, what does he feel their holes are? And, and how does he feel about them moving forward as they look towards, uh, in all likelihood, a big playoff push now that they got the bye behind them and, and this big schedule coming up that's going to kick off with the home game against St. Louis Rams. Gonna be interesting, but gotta call us from the nine one eight. I think we might have wheel on, and you know when we got wheel on, we gotta kick the show off with our first caller. What's going on? You're on Tertiary Radio. Hey. Hey, what's going on, brother? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. What's oh, up? Yeah, what you, man? Did you catch Did you catch the game this weekend? Yeah, I was. Well, I was able to play it on rewind. I didn't catch it on Sunday. But I well, at least you it, caught uh, it, man. I, I always yeah. worried when you get on here and you haven't even seen the game, but I'm glad you caught it this week. What do you think? Well, um, they play decently. Um, with, it's, it's Zach Stacy, okay, I'm going to lay on it right here. I'm going to say it right now. Come, come 2014, no question, he's the starting running back. He's the power running back this team desperately needed, and we got. He played like it. Okay. Huh? He played like it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, to me, that he's already, yeah, yeah he's, uh, if he keeps up, I will even dare say at some some point, at some point, he'll be in the shadow of Steven Jackson, okay? Um, I don't know when that'll be. But, um, you know, let's. I'm going to touch up on Bradford for a little bit here. You know you got to get uh, back to your boy, Sam. I know, Will. I knew it was coming. What's up? <laughs> well, there's a lot of haters. That haven't been writing about how horrible he is because they got their way. Uh, he's no longer their quarterback for this season. Okay, they got, but they 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 kept whining about, you know, boo hoo, Sam's horrible. I'm going to cry, boo hoo, either because he didn't meet their NFL game, man game expectations, or their fantasy expectations, or they wanted to draft Sue. Okay, whatever the reason is there. Um, it, they have they had unrealistic expectations from him to begin with, um, and, and I think he should be traded because his talents is wasted on this offense, which is a power running offense. But now, but let I, me well, let me he, ask you this. Let me ask you this. Now that we've seen this from Zach Stacy, and if he's the power running back that they need. Is he going to be? Do you think that Sam might be wasted in 2014? Now that they've got a solidified running back to move forward with, and the opportunity to add two more first rounders. Yeah, I think he'd be wasted. You think so? Because yeah, all he has to do is pass it to Zach Stacy. Okay, the head coach Jeff Fisher. His philosophy has been and will continue to be in 2014, despite what some people may think, that he'll open up the playbook and whatever, blah, blah, blah. His philosophy, core philosophy, deep down, he's an old-time coach. It's running, 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 pass action here and there if necessary, but running mostly. And this, this, Offense is based around Zach Stacy now, and I'm going to tell you, it was our chances of going to the playoffs this season was 50 percent when Bradford was in. 
0% when he got out, but the season wasn't completely washed because Zach Stacy's playing. So we have a chance to break some games, to win against games, even the Colts, because of Zach Stacy. But if Zach Stacy goes down, we won't even be close. Okay? So that time well, then let me so even if you think he's going to be wasted, even if you think Sam's talents would be wasted, if you go from a 50-50 team with Sam but without Zach Stacy because he hadn't really featured it in, up to that point, right? And then you yeah. got Zach Stacy without Sam Bradford. When you combine the two next year, you got to feel a little bit optimistic about what those guys could do together, at least what we've seen from Stacy the last two games, no? Yeah, Um yeah, there's no question about Stacy. I think he'll continue getting improvement. As for Bradford next year, realistic, realistically, I think he should be traded, but that's my personal thing. But realistically, realistically, they won't trade him. Sure. He'll, take, he, he'll even take a pay cut because he's, he's that kind of a guy. You know why? He has, most people don't know this, but he has a background in finance, so he's not hurting for money. So he can take right. a pay cut without sneezing. Okay, he probably invested what he did have smartly. Um, so pay cut for him isn't a problem. He'll probably do that if asked. And um, you know, they and there's people that are saying, uh, well, Clemens is doing fine. Clemens is doing great. You know, and in some cases better than Bradford. Well, let me ask you this. Here's what you have to ask yourself, kind of like, you know, here's the thing. If Zach Stacy goes down and is injured for a game or a few games before the entire season, which he will be because he's a power running back, that happens. That's just the natural inclination for that position. Can you rely – on the arm of Clemens to win games for the rest of that season without Zach Stacy. Every day, Ford Burtz, Isaiah Pete telling Clemens it's the only way. Mm-hmm. It's the yep. only way. Hey, man, I got Matt on the line, so let me ask you this. Moving forward, right? Yeah, so, we've been through this before. We're Rams fans. We've had some tough seasons. Uh, what do you want to see the rest of the season and to a degree this weekend against Indianapolis? Is it more about individual performances? And, and if so, who do you want to see step up? Obviously we've seen a lot from Zach Stacy, and you're already mm-hmm. saying he's, he's going to live in the shadow of Steven Jackson moving forward. Do you want to see more mm-hmm. from maybe Jared Cook, Tavon Austin, uh, Stedman Bailey, or do you need to see more from the defense? Guys like Alec Ogletree, maybe you want to see Cortland Finnegan try to make sure that he's a part of this team moving forward. Who do you want to see on this team kind of show up and show out to make sure that they're part of the Rams' uh, future plans? Well, I want the defense to play consistently on a consistent basis. And I think a lot of that has to do with the play calling. Our defensive coordinator needs to step up personally on his play calling. Um, but on a player, individual player individ, uh, basis, um, Finnegan, I don't know what to say about him. He's, he is what he is, you know. Um, but uh, Long... Well, well, I want to see Jake, Long. Jake Long, you're and, talking about? Uh, 
Yeah. Um, well, Chris Long, actually. Oh, yeah. Chris Long and, um, you know, Cujo, frankly, our whole defense needs to step up because it's inconsistent. And that needs to be improved. There's no one individual because they actually kind of play off of each other, I think. So, um, that's what I, I think, you know. Um, offense, I'd like to see more from Richardson since uh, he basically is behind Stacy. Um, I want to know who's going to step up when Stacy goes down other than the quarterback. Well, we'll probably see that the way that Stacy's been running, man. I mean, the way he's running, I think yeah. he's going to have those opportunities. But, hey, Will, thanks for calling in, man. We're going to hear from you next mm-hmm. week, I'm assuming, yeah? Yep, sure will. Hey, good stuff. Thanks, brother. You have a good night. All right, man. Wheel getting us started, as he does every week. Got to love Wheel coming on. The plain-spoken wisdom of Wheel. But right now, we got to offer the Tertio Radio platform to one of our friends across the SB Nation aisle, Matt Greco from Stampede Blue. Matt, what's going on, man? Not much. How are you? You know what? I'm just lovely. Our football team's 3-6. and six. Our starting franchise quarterback is out with an ACL injury, and we can't win any games. I'm doing effing great. Uh yeah, I know. Yeah. I remember 2000. I remember 2011. Is it, isn't it, it nice? Long, so. Isn't it nice that you know, you know, to have a team that gets the quarterback and actually plays up to expectations and takes the franchise where they need to go? But you guys, I mean, you guys, you know, you guys have had a good run for more than a decade now. We're, let's let's start there. Let's start with a bigger overview type sense. Usually, like, you know, we get into the weeds as soon as I bring in kind of the opposing guests, but let's start the opposite. Where do you feel this franchise is at now? Have you got, I mean, you guys obviously have moved past Peyton, right? I mean, you guys are firmly in the Andrew Luck era. Where do you feel this team is at? I think they're right in the position that uh, Jim Irsay had thought of fateful day. Uh, it was probably about 18 months ago when they announced that Peyton Manning was being released. Um, they knew what they wanted to do. I think they've started to put everything in place now. Um, I think two weeks ago when Manning came back to play here in Indianapolis, I think it gave closure to the Colts organization, to Peyton Manning, to the fans here in Indianapolis. I think now everybody's kind of past that, and it's like, all right, let's go win the Super Bowl now with who we have. Um, I think it's exactly where they want to be. How confident are you that, you know, they're in a position to do just that? Have you seen enough from them, obviously, as a as a team that's made the Super Bowl in seasons past? Do you think that they're in a position to get back there this year? I think with the way the NFL is today, the only thing you have to do is get to the playoffs, and then you've got to get your coin flip right three times in a row. Um, or You know, and at four if you don't get a bye in the first round. Um, it's become such a thing, you know, the six-seed winning is not a big deal. A 9-17 and 17 running the Super Bowl is not a big deal. Really, it's just getting to the playoffs and literally flipping your coin correctly three or four times in a row, and you win the Super Bowl. Um, so I think last year, getting to the playoffs, that was a huge goal, um, something completely unexpected. Um, this year, it certainly looks like the Colts are on their way to doing that again. Um, so really, it's just getting there and giving yourself – opportunity after opportunity to get it and hopefully it comes sooner or later um you know i'm a stats guy by nature coin four times in a row and getting it right you can do it once out of 16 hopefully it's a little better than that but that's kind of where we're going here 
Well, let's go into the stats, man. Tell me, tell me about Andrew Luck. I haven't seen a ton of him. You know, we're NFC fans. I watch a ton of college football, so I haven't seen a ton of him since he moved on for Stanford. But, you know, where, where is he at in terms of his pro career? Obviously, the numbers stack up well, but in terms of maybe some advanced stats or things that we don't know about Andrew Luck, obviously he's got targets in T.Y. Hilton and Reggie Wayne that are making things easier for him. But how much progress do you see from him in year two? He's been above and beyond, I think, anyone what could have what they could have expected this year after seeing last year. Um, last year, there were a lot of times, and to go back a little bit, last year the offensive coordinator was Bruce Arians, and it was very much down the field. You didn't see him check down very often. It was all, you know, air it out and air it out, and that's why he threw a lot of interceptions. Everything was down the field, 15, 20 yards. You also saw a lot of big plays out of it, but you also got the mistakes from it. Um, this year with Ted Hamilton, who is his offensive coordinator at Stanford, it's very methodical. It's very, you know, six, seven yards. And, um, you know, you'll see the occasional shot like they had Sunday night um, with the big play to Hilton, and they had a big pass interference play to Hayward Bay as well. Um, so you'll see it on occasion. But now it's more, it's, I guess, quote-unquote, safer passing than what they had last year, um, which is why the Colts lead the league in turnovers. Um, they're averaging less than a turnover a game. Um I think they've had six, I think, in all eight games. Um, and I think I think you said earlier he's got three interceptions, and that's it. Um, he's taking care of the ball really well. Um, what I look at a lot, um, pro football reference uses an, uh, it's an adjusted net passing yards where it takes into account sacks, interceptions, touchdowns, and everything. Um, he's about mid-pack this year. Um, as fans, we've been clamoring to kind of open him up and let him throw a little more than what, um, the offense has allowed him at this point. And I think sure. you saw it Sunday night when, you know, they're down 18 points in the second half. You can't really run the ball anymore. And the first four drives in the second half, they ran the ball one time and scored 24 points. None of us are understanding why they keep – we don't understand why they keep continuing to run the ball as much as they do in the first half when if you open up Andrew Luck, you see what happens. And maybe it's a function of trying to, you know, force that run to let defenses uh, make it a little bit softer for him. And that's kind of where I was going in terms of Trent Richardson in the running game. How much of the struggles with the running game have been on uh, T. Rich specifically and how much have been maybe on the scheme or the offensive line or play calling? What, what would you attribute that to? Or is it just that teams know that they can shut down the run and the pass is that much harder to stop? I think it's a combination of things. Um, the, the three interior linemen are not very good. Um, the two tackles, Anthony Costanzo and Gosser Cherilis, who they signed as a free agent from Detroit this year, they're both they both been fantastic all year, um, both run and pass blocking. Um, the three guys in the middle, they lost Donald Thomas in the Miami game in week two, who was another big free agent signed. I think it was left guard. Um, right. Came in and was playing well for a game and a half until um, he got hurt and he was done for the year. Um, so they have a rookie, Hugh Thornton, playing there. Um, and then Samson Fatelli is not the greatest center in the world. They probably that's where they need to look first to draft this year, if you're asking me. Um, and then Mike McGlynn is also not he's he would be a great backup because he can play center, he can play both guard positions, but he's probably not a starting caliber NFL player. Um so there's been a lot of problems in the middle of the of the offensive line, which is a problem when you're trying to run, you know, power eyes and the big running back. Um, the other thing that we've seen, and if you know, we've noticed walk, going back and watching some of the games that they've run a lot of the same running plays with both Richardson and Donald Brown, 
And if you you look when when Brown runs them, and they actually did this on Sunday night, you can see the, the kind of the one cut that he has where he can he starts going to the right and he sees the hole kind of develop to the left. It's really one foot in the ground and he's gone and he's five yards down the field and the defense doesn't even know what hit him. With Richardson, you see a lot of hesitation. It's like, well, that's supposed, that's supposed to go here, but I see the hole. I don't know what to do. And then he just kind of piles himself in the line and he gets, you know, a yard or two. Um, and they're literally running the same exact play. And you see what Brown's doing and what Richardson's doing. And it's frustrating that, you know, a guy clearly that has talent in Richardson is not seeing the kind of sure. things um, that other running backs are seeing. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that's going to be interesting. And obviously, like I mentioned, somebody who watches a ton of college football, you know, having seen Trent Richardson at Alabama, and then you guys having Pep Hamilton, who's coming from a Stanford offense that, like you said, really works a lot of that stuff out the middle and was pretty successful with that while he was there. I'm interested to see how that develops later on in the season as I catch some more of these games. Let's switch it over to the defense. And, again, you know, you guys are in on Churchill Radio. We're here with the man from Stampede Blue, Matt Greco. Matt, uh, before we get back into the team on the defensive side, let us know what's going on at Stampede Blue uh, this week and this season. How have things been going over there? Because I know, is Brad, is Brad still running the show, Brad Wells? Oh, yeah, he's still running the show. He, will will that ever change? To... Is Brad, is Brad going to be, you know, head honcho at Stampede Blue in 2055? I assume so, right? I'm guessing so, yeah. Um, yeah, I think he's might be the longest tenured guy now. I don't know that I'm be sure. Um I think Jimmy at uh, Music City Miracles, I know he was pretty close after Brad, um, but I think there's not many of them that have long, been longer than him. He started in the middle of 2006, um, and I joined on right – I joined on – I started riding the day after the Patriots lost to the Giants, the, uh, you know, the 18-1 and Patriots lost to the Giants. Sure. Um, so that's what January of 08 has been around a long time too. Um <laughs> But, yeah, everything's great. Um, we've got a couple of good, really good riders that joined on. It's probably about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago now. Um, you know, Brad and I are getting up there in age that, you know, the the Internet blogger, you know, we're ancient. Um, so we've got some young guys that are that are in and a couple of guys that just graduated from college. And, um, you know, we've got a guy that does all the predictions for us. Um, yeah. You know, I usually do the preview articles. It's not, it's not predictions, yeah, predict- it's predictification, man. Yes, yes. Um, and I'm trying to keep up with him with my stats because the way that my stats work, um, I've got a whole system that we run over there. I've been doing it now for four years um, that it's able to predict games as well. So I think I'm dead on with him right now through the first eight weeks, nine weeks now. Um, so I'm just trying to keep up with him. Yeah, I like reading the stats predictor picks. I've been reading that for a while, but – I'm kind of old hat, too. Thanks for rubbing that in, man. I like to still think I've got a couple more years in these legs, but, damn, now now I'm feeling creaky and old. Thanks for reminding me, man. Brad's a lot older older than us. There you go. That's what we can always rely on is rubbing it in on Brad and Ryan. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's move over to the defense, man. Uh, What do you see out of this front seven so far? You know, obviously moving on from the pass rushes of years past, has it been a difficult transition despite the fact that, you know, Robert Mathis is still tearing things up? Uh, it hasn't been too terrible this year. Um, they've been a lot improved from last year. Last year they couldn't really stop anyone, and this year we've seen signs um, that they they can play really well. Um, the the best game they played was against San Francisco, um, that they really contained K. 
Kaepernick really well. Um, I think it certainly helped that Vernon Davis did not play that day, um, that they really couldn't throw the ball at all. Um, and we've seen in subsequent weeks since Davis has come back that San Francisco's starting to look like the team they were last year. Um, but, yeah, Robert Mathis is leading the league in sacks. Um, he actually didn't get any this week. Um, but he's now over 100 for his career, which I think only 30 guys in NFL history have done that. Um, he's also a half sack away from his career high. So he'll get that eventually in the second half. Um, but yeah, he's been tearing well, up. He, that to? How, how, how has he gotten to that point this late in his career? I think just – I think – Actually, the outside linebacker, the rush linebacker position, kind of like what DeMarcus Ware's played, um, James Harrison, you know, back in the day. Um, I think this was actually his natural position that he was. It wasn't necessarily that he was playing out of position as a 4-3 defensive end, but I think with his body type and his athleticism, I think this is the ideal position for him. Um, and I think that's why I think getting into a system that Chuck Pagano brought over from Baltimore um, where he doesn't really have to worry about getting to the, you know, stopping the run or doing things like that. I think his sole job now is to get to the quarterback. Um, and he's always been great at causing fumbles and, you know, getting strip sacks and things like that. Um, that I think just the work ethic and I think he wants to be in Indianapolis and now he's one of the team leaders. Um, and he wants to show that, especially with a lot of the young guys, um, you know, Bjorn Warner was the first round pick this year. Um, he's been hurt. He finally, he came back last week. He played a little bit uh, against Houston um, but I think he's taking on a lot more of the leadership role. And I think he's definitely a lead by example rather than, a, you know, a vocal leader. Um, so I think that's why he's kind of had a, kind of a resurgence in his career. And tell us about the uh, secondary. Obviously, you guys got – who is it? Is it Greg Toller and Vontae Davis on the starting corners? Yes, Vontae Davis has been – of all of the Ryan Grigson moves that he's made in the last two years – Trading a second-round pick for Vontae Davis to the Dolphins, I think, is the best one that he's made. Um, he completely shut down Demarius Thomas when they played the Broncos. There, if you, I don't know if you look at Pro Football Focus at all, and I, I kind of look at it with a grain of salt. I think a lot of the stuff is good to have. I think a lot of it is, you know, subjective and can be easily swayed by things. But they said it was the best game by a defensive back in what three, four years or something like that at the game against Denver. Um, that he's been fantastic, and it's you know he's not quite at the level of you know a guy like Revis or even Richard Sherman, but um, he's very solid on the outside, and he's gonna he's gonna do he's gonna do really well this year. Um, Greg Toller has been solid on the other side. He was hurt against Houston. Um, I don't know if his status is gonna be up in the air for Sunday or not. Um, Darius Butler, who kind of had he was drafted by New England and had he kind of looked okay last year with the Colts, but really didn't look well. Um, has been really good in the slot this year. Um, so it's really been good to have a, a third corner. Um, you know, before Sunday, I had them ranked fourth in the league in, in the passing stats, and, you know, they kind of got burned several times Sunday night, um, which kind of took that down a lot. Um, but, yeah, the second to Antoine Buffet, you know, he's been to several Pro Bowls. He's still playing at the same level. Um, and then Laurent Landry came over from, I think it was the Jets, the last team he was on, um, that he's been really good. I think good. he came he straight also... out of the weight room. I don't, I don't think he was playing football. Yeah. I think he was just lifting weights for the last 828,000 days straight. Yes. No, I, I definitely could see that. Um, but, yeah, he's been good. He, he was hurt for a couple weeks as well. Um, they had a guy, Delano Howell, that played, who also was hurt at the time at this moment. Um, another Stanford guy. 
uh, rookie uh, that played really well in Landry's absence. Um, so they've had guys step up, um, you know, when, they, when they've had the few injuries that they've had so far this year. Good stuff. Hey, Matt, let me ask you, now that you guys are, are in this position and, and after everything that went on last year, where, where's Chuck Pagano at as a head coach, and how do you guys feel with him at the helm moving forward? It seems as though his team plays the best when their backs are up against the wall. It's one of those things that when the Colts are favored, which they are by, I think, double digits Sunday, it makes me fearful that they're going to come out flat again like they did on Sunday. Because it's one of those that they have this mentality that they almost have to be, you know, talked bad about or given no chance. And that's when it's like, all right, let's go. And Pagano has that ability to, you know, just with his words and motivation to be able to get the best out of his guys. But it only seems to happen when it looks like they're not going to do well or they're not going to win or something like that. Um, You know, the game against Oakland in week one, it was really, you know, they just kind of plodded along and, you know, they got the win at the end. And, you know, they came out after week two, they lost to Miami they're going to San Francisco, everyone's writing them off, and they come out and they demolish the 49ers. You know, they come out against Denver and they do the same thing. Um, you know, last year was kind of the same effect that, you know, the teams they can't go up against, you know, they can't do that. And then they go out, you know, against San Diego. Oh, they're great. You know, they're, they're going to go out there and it's going to be a piece of cake and all that, and they get, you know, they play terrible. <laughs> um, so it's one of those that I'm not sure exactly what it is, and, you know, I can't go in there and explain what the team's psyche is or anything, but it, it, it seems as though they play the best when their backs are against the wall. Um, so it makes me scared on Sunday that they're going to let the Rams kind of hang around and hang around, um, and then it's going to be, you know, a toss at the end of the game. Um, a lot of his decisions, some of them are very – they're on the conservative side. He, he's always talking about how his team needs to – you know, stop the run and run the ball and do all this and power running game. And, you know, we saw Sunday night, you know, they get the ball with two minutes left that they could run the clock out and they run three times into the line that it might have been better to just take three knees and not have a, a potential for a fumble. Um, you know, and there are times where, you know, it's one of those you punt on the opponent's 40-yard line, and I think you guys deal with this a lot with Jeff Fisher too because I think they're kind of the same mentality. Um, they're they, – Error on the side of conservatism than, you know, kind of going for it. And it's frustrating for me because I'm one of those math guys that says you should go for it a lot more than what they always do. Um, but he did go, Pagano did go for two correctly on Sunday night early. So I was happy to see that. Stats guy to the end, man. Good, good to hear. Everybody, I uh, want to thank Matt for coming on. Is MG is it MG Rex zero three on Twitter? That's me. MG Rex zero three. Give him a follow, guys. Matt Gregor from Stampede Blue. Matt, thanks for coming on, man. No problem. Thanks for having me. Matt Gregor from Stampede Blue. Everybody, good guy. He's friendly. I like him. We're gonna have to have him back one day. Like it was very, very calm, the professional. Very not no nuance. You know, not the kind of crazy wankiness talking about from you know Thai prostitutes and all kinds of stuff is very straightforward but good statistical analysis man that's the kind of guy I like to have on every now and then just to give us the straight skinny on football in general but also from the cold side of stuff that was good to hear um interesting game on Sunday and I, I like kind of you know what he set up for us in terms of yeah maybe there is a trap game mentality but 
you know, they, they're in a different place than they were in, in games past, and they've got a lot that they got to move forward on. And, and obviously, again, with that passing offense, they, the Rams are going to have their hands full. I'm interested to see what happens. Again, you know, we're three and six. Things are probably well out of reach. Certainly not mathematically, but in all realistic perspective, yeah, this is probably uh, what we're going to have to deal with moving forward as a, as a season, looking forward to other forward seasons. Um, but that being the case, you know, we, we've got some great college football. I'm going to jump in on the draft, and if we got any late callers, I'll bring you guys in. We may have to cut this a little bit short. But I definitely want to get to the, the interesting week in college football because this is a very unclassic college football week in that you got a huge game on Saturday night. But it may be overshadowed by what you got on Thursday. You've got two games on Thursday with two top ten teams. Um, starting off at 7.30 Eastern on Fox Sports 1. Again, it's a very uncollege. It's, it's a very untraditional, new, modern college football landscape. 7.30 Eastern time on Fox Sports 1 is number 10 Oklahoma at number 6 Baylor. If you haven't gotten a look at the Baylor offense, now's the time. Obviously, with Zach Stacy's emergence, running back maybe takes on a little bit less precedence in the draft than it might have in weeks past. But you got to get a look at Lachey Seastrunk, the rest of that offense, for Baylor looks really special. Oklahoma's got plenty of talent all over the place. Jalen Saunders in the secondary may be a target. May have to look at that offensive line with somebody like David Card. Uh, I'm not sure that you know the Rams have a lot of football left to play before we start looking at needs and start thinking more detailed draft looks than just general talent. Uh, but the big game, maybe that 9 o'clock game, yeah, for those of us on the East Coast, we're going to have to fight uh, the, the heavy eyelids starting at 9 o'clock. Number three, Oregon at number five, Stanford on ESPN. That's a hell of a game. And obviously for Oregon, who, you know, is battling with Alabama and Florida State to get into the national championship, along with Ohio State, not to not to slide our, our Big Ten friends. Um, <clears throat> but those three certainly look to have the leg up. <clears throat> this is in all likelihood the last challenge for Oregon outside of the PAC championship. Number five, Stanford. If Stanford hadn't lost that game against Utah earlier, I mean, you're talking about a late-season uh, dual undefeated game. This game would have been off the charts for a Thursday. But as it exists, it's a number five, one-loss Stanford team who has handled business everywhere else. Um, they're certainly regretting that loss against Utah, but it is what it is, and it's football. You deal with it one game at a time. But before we get to the Saturday game, that being LSU at Bama, we got a caller from the 609 I want to bring in. From the 609, you're on Churchill Radio with your boy 3K. What's going on, man? Yo, what's going on, 3 Stacks? Hey, what's up? Who's this? Smith. Smith, the Pacers game is on. What the hell are you doing, man? They need you. <laughs> they need you. No, what's going on with your Pacers this year? I told you I'd extend a, I'd extend a friendly hand let you talk about your boys. What's going on this year? Is Rick Smith coming back? Rick, you said Rick. I was going to say, do you even remember Rick Smith? Is that too old for you, man? That's messed no, up. No, it's not too old for me. It's not too old for me. He, he actually still does the Pacer games and still, still does watch them. So it's actually really, really well liked in Indiana. Yeah, and but, y'all got a team yeah. this year, man. Y'all got a team. But no, what's going on? Did you watch the Rams game on Sunday? Yeah, I watched it, man. You know, to the point, man. <laughs> yeah, I watched it. Yeah, it was loud. <laughs> no, what'd you, what'd you think, man? Obviously, the Zach Stacy performance may be the big sticking point, at least for the long term. But what did, what did you come away from that game thinking? Um, it's to the point now where 
I just want to. I know it's tough. It's tough, man. It's tough. We're gonna get through it together, though. That's all it is. Just give me consistency. Just play yeah. like you play every week. Enough, because it's to the point now where it's like you can just video record yourself. Like, X player did this. Y player did this. It's the same <laughs> thing every week. <laughs> Drop passes, penalties, missed opportunities. It's the same thing every week. And it's still a point now where it's frustrating. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. man. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, that was it. That was it. Go I was ahead. Just saying, go ahead. Go ahead. Think about that. Here's one thing I don't understand, and I get it that teams go through ups and downs, but it's tough for me with the with the Rams because you know after last season everything got set up, but the the defense looked like it was going to be even better than last year, and things have cratered. How do you, how do you go from a performance against Seattle, which was so complete and thorough, and you know what we had really hoped they would be able to put in in big games this year? To kind of the performance that we saw, especially in the running game against Tennessee, how, how do you how do you explain that, man? You seen enough football? Just I, I can put it on coaching. You can put it on the players. I mean, it's to the point now where it's like you don't know who to blame because if you put it on the players, because they're the ones on the field, it's the coaches that are getting these players ready. So are they just not executing on the field or? Is it just the coaches not putting them in the correct situation? Yeah, it's tough. And I think that's one of the unfortunate things to say. It's so hard to get a good sense of that. I mean, it's easy. And I was critical of Brian Schottenheim, you know, the last play against Seattle, the the idea that, look, you got one play, don't put it in Kellen Clemens' hands, especially after the game that Zach Stacey had. But so much of what goes on throughout the game is difficult to parse and figure out, okay, who is this really on and how much of this is – you know, coaching and set up and how much of this is execution. But, you know, when, when it doesn't go right, it's easier to blame everybody, I guess I would say. What What are you looking forward to this Sunday and maybe for the rest of the season? What is going to keep you watching Rams games? To see if you could ever find that consistency. <laughs> that's, what, that's, what, that's what it is for me. Just I want to see the young players just come in and just be consistent. It's okay to drop a pass here and there. But when you need a pass, that's it. When you need a touchdown, get a touchdown. When you need a first down, catch the ball and get a first down. I just want to see consistency from here on out. That's all it is for me. Simple as consistency. You sound frustrated, dog. You sound so frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not even, it's not even frustration. It's just like tired. It's just like fatigue. It's, it's just draining. Because I watched the – because I caught the game last week on DVR because I was at work. So I watched it the next day, and real I wasn't even mad watching it because I'm like, I'm glad they played well. This is something you can build off of. And then watching the game Sunday, it's like, where did all that go? Like, where did all that go? Like, it just went down the drain. Who are you hoping can make that leap, you know, maybe into consistency? Is it going to be – uh, Tavon Austin isn't going to – I mean, with a team this young, almost everybody is either a rookie or close enough to it. You know, Chris Givens, who, who are you looking to maybe emerge and, to, and solidify their place as kind of an every-down guy, at least on offense, with this team moving forward? I think I said to you on Twitter the other day, I'm, I'm looking at CG right now, Chris Givens. Yeah? Yeah, I'm looking at him right now. 
And he, he, he wants to be that guy, but he's just not there yet. I mean, he's doing all the work. He says he's doing all the work. It's just it's just to the point it's like, when are you going to put it together, man? I know you want to be that guy, but show me. Well, we don't need it. I mean, obviously you need more than just a deep threat, but we'll have to see. If Chris Givens can be that guy, he could go a long way for the team, man. Right, right. Yeah, because that's what I wanted to ask you, man, because I'm like, I know P.Y. was your boy coming out of FIU, so it's like, what's the difference between – P.Y. and Indy and Chris Givens in the loop? Well, that's a good question. I think the first thing is that the, the Indianapolis has Reggie Wayne, and, and that opens up everything underneath. I think part of the problem, and this was a big reason why I was so big on Julio Jones as a freshman out of Alabama, is when you've got an intermediate game, whether that comes from a tight end or a wide receiver, that opens up things underneath. It tightens things deeper, but it opens up things underneath. And the problem that the Rams have had scheming for Tavon Austin that West Virginia most certainly did not have is that they could open up the field vertically and take the linebackers away from the line of scrimmage. The Rams have struggled to do that, and whether that's because they didn't, they weren't willing to from a coaching standpoint, whether it's Sam didn't feel comfortable, you know, putting the ball deep in riskier situations or, you know, wide receivers not being able to get deep, certainly other than Chris Givens, it, it's probably a combination of the three. But the reality is if you're playing a tighter offense, and the Rams played a very, 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 very tight offense early, you're not going to offer the opportunity for the the underneath routes to develop without linebacker coverage being all over them. And I think what's interesting is they had a good opportunity to build on what they saw from 2012 from Danny Amendola when he was healthy. I mean, if you go back and look at a lot of his tape, he was running a lot of the kind of stuff that you would want Tavon Austin to run, but with Chris Givens deep and, you know, Sam being willing to go downfield a little bit more often, and especially in her deeper intermediate stuff from Brandon Gibson, it opened up things underneath, and that hasn't been there this year. As many times as we've seen the dump-offs and the curls and the screens, you know, every time you see it, if there's not three guys, there's two, and it's because they're willing to play, you know, really tight and not not worry about everything going over the top. That's got to be something that they've got to work on going into 2014 if they're going to be serious about making Tavon a more versatile threat in this offense, and that's part of what we've seen from Indianapolis with T.Y. Hilton. Now, again, I haven't seen a ton of their games this year. I caught, uh, caught a decent amount last year. And I think part of it is just having Reggie Wayne when you've got a guy of his skill set that can get open and is a, as physical as he is to be able to force his body into positions to make some big plays and have the hands that he does. It opens up things underneath. Now, the difference is, and I think this is maybe, to me, one of the big storylines is the Rams have an emerging rushing game that looks like it's going to be difficult to stop. And you say that with the offensive line the Rams have. If they're able to put together a stronger offensive line for 2014 and you've got Zach Stacy back healthy, you've got Sam Bradford healthy, and you add whoever we add in the offseason, that's going to be a hell of a rushing attack. And I think we see maybe the juxtaposition between a team that's got a strong rushing attack and a really confused and, at least from the quarterback position, under-talented passing attack versus one in Indianapolis that's got talent all over the place but hasn't really found a way to incorporate it all on the field at the same time. That may be the interesting storyline for me. And, you know, sadly, it may be a good juxtaposition to see how T.Y. Hill gets used and how effective that is versus Tavon Austin struggling again and where we need to get better at how we're going to use it. Right, right. But, it, I mean, it's interesting, man. There, there, there's some similar skill sets there. I think 
Tavon isn't quite as athletic as T.Y. is. He may have better acceleration. I think uh, Tavon Austin's got better acceleration and speed, but T.Y. is pretty uh, pretty jukey. He's pretty he's pretty fluid with his moves, and I think that you know a little bit different, but similar guys, but certainly used pretty similarly. And I think who knows? Maybe the Rams learn something. Maybe that's the best thing that comes out of Sunday is the Rams learn something from the Colts in terms of how to use Tavon. I don't know, man. Right, right. Uh, well, I, I, mean, I, I hope it's a good game, you know, to be honest with you. I hope. <laughs> you know, I, I'd like I'd like to get a little bit like you know, you sounded frustrated earlier. I'd like to get that frustration out of our system, at least for another two weeks, three weeks, so that we can get deep into this season and have some confidence that moving forward things are at least decent. And granted, look, like I said, you go back a couple of years ago, one and fifteen, two and fourteen, Keith Null. You know, we went through some horrendous seasons. So, you know, picking up last year and obviously doing what we were doing before Sam went down, things aren't horrible. It's just that by now you want to feel that they're good. And as much as we spent in the draft, you feel like you should be getting some returns on those investments that we haven't gotten yet. But we'll have to see, man. We'll have to see. It's a, it's a long yeah. year and things will get better. And I know you'll be around. Everybody hit up Smith. Smith, what's the Twitter handle? 620? Yes, sir. Smith six twenty on Twitter. Get Adam Smith. Thanks for calling, us, man. Uh, no doubt. Hi, right, bro. Smith, the original Tertiary Radio information poster. He's kind of our infomercial for Tertiary Radio. We got another late call. I want to bring in from the six one nine. What's going on, you're on Tertiary Radio? Hey guys, uh, this is Drew. Um, um, you know, I know you guys are trying to be positive about things, but What's you know, I've just been looking. Yeah, I know, and you got you can't sit there and just be Debbie Downers about everything. I understand that, and I'm all happy about Stacy, but I'm still worried about the coaching because you know I, I went and looked at Fisher's records and I went and looked at Walton's records, and you know the best, you know 550 coaches for a winning percentage, and even Walton, the only thing he ever got lucky in his life was that he went to Miami and had all these blue chip players. So and then and then to top it off, then I went back and looked at the Detroit blogs, and then when we picked them up, people were like saying, you know, is he even that good, or is that that guy who lets them play ten, fifteen yards off the line of scrimmage? If if it is him, just you know, so be it. Thank God he's gone. And you know what? Now I figured out he's the guy who's telling him to play ten, fifteen yards off the line of scrimmage. I think he's used to having blue chip players and playing against slow college players. So it's kind of annoying watching all of this transpire, especially with Shoddy, too. That guy's a running backs coach. We got a stud at quarterback, and we can't even let him play the type of game that he should be playing. I mean, I'd hate to say bring back Mark for something stupid like that, but at least a guy was smart enough to understand the complexities of an offense. So let me ask this. How how much of this season do you think will serve as a lesson learned for the coaching staff? I mean, you think about all the things that they've got to improve on. You've got Sam Bradford, Tavon Austin, uh, you know, a running game that didn't really get started for the first six weeks of the season, despite the fact that they had the right guy on the roster. A defense that, like you said, is dealing with the cushion of death and still isn't able to find the consistency in performances and certainly not in the rushing defense game. Uh, and they've got all these draft picks that they've got to deal with in this offseason. Are, are you confident that even if they didn't execute it 
from a coaching standpoint in 2013 that they can learn from those mistakes and maybe improve on things next year? I mean, these are professional coaches. They shouldn't have to. I mean, the number one thing of a coach is you don't you don't go in there with your ego saying this is how we're going to do things. You look at the talent around you and say, okay, this is how it's got to be like an organic type of uh, coordinator to understand that, you know, you, you don't have one way to do things. It's it's a multifaceted approach, and you got to look at what you have for players. You know, when I see Tavon Austin running these – you know, these two-yard ends and screens and stuff like that, I want to die because I'm like, with that kind of speed, that's what opens up the field. I would be sending him and Givens deep and allowing Cook and, and the rest of the tight ends and, and uh, you know, people to take these short routes and being able to get some good yards after catch. But, I mean, you got to stretch the field out. Not only by stretching the field out, then you give Stacy more room to, to get a couple yards extra after that. I mean, that's what the 2000 Rams did awesome. I mean, and these guys are have this whole, like, you know, 1920s football running style that, you know, run the ball first and then it's going to open up the pass. You know, we already did, debunked that 10 years ago, 20 years ago. You know, you got to pass first and then be able to run with it because if you could open up that passing game, then you're going to open up that running game and they're going to get an extra dollar or two after that. I mean, I don't know what Marshall Fox's yards per carry was, but, I mean, it'd have to be close to five or six. I mean, some games sure. I thought he had ten. Oh, sure. And I think what's interesting is that last year, even with Steven Jackson on the roster, the Rams passed for 150 pretty much more times than they ran the ball. And now, you know, you go to this season, and it was so limited, but certainly without Sam Bradford, they've definitely become a run-heavy team. I'm interested to see, and I think this is something, obviously, until we get Sam Bradford back, we won't know, but how much they want to find out a good balance for Zach Stacy's future versus where he is now. So, you know, we talked when Free Will was on the show earlier, and we're talking about Zach Stacy maybe being the future running back for this team. How many, you know, 20-plus carry games do you want to put on those wheels this season if you're going to be relying on them moving forward, you know? How, how, I don't. how do you feel about Zach Stacy? <laughs> I don't. I don't. I mean, I, I want to see the young players get in there. I know they're probably not strong enough like uh, Barrett and, you know, a couple of those old linemen, but I know Dahl's over the hill, and I know that um, – oh, God, what's that name of that guy? Anyway, but they definitely so – I mean, I like Barksdale. I like Barksdale. He's a great backup, but we definitely need a, a right tackle. Two, uh, Long's going to be okay on the other side. And, and what you know, it's – I think it's all about, you know, coaching around the talent you have instead of coaching where you think you want the team to go. And um, I'm just, I'm, you know, I went and got the Sunday ticket just because this year I was like, I, I actually uh, made a $2,000 bet that the Rams were going to go to the Super Bowl. And thankfully that it, it didn't go through for some reason because it was an overseas account. <laughs> so, and oh, I was telling my girlfriend how much money I'm going to win. I'm just like, I, I'm, 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 I'm really upset. I'm upset that Fisher allowed this to go on. Fisher's an awesome coach, but the problem with him is that I don't think he picks his assistant coaches very good. And the year he won the or, or lost the Super Bowl, he has some good people around him. And um, I don't think he has good people around him right now. I don't know. I don't see how Sherman can keep his job. None of his receivers are making a catch. I don't see how Walton should be able to keep his job. I don't see how 
I mean, Shadi, if he wants to be a running backs coach, sure, let him do that because he did an awesome job with Pete and he did an awesome job with Richardson. And I've seen all these comments about how whatever person he touches, they go to crap. So, you know, I mean, the verdict is out on these people, but I don't know why we still pick them up. We could have picked up Jerron for defensive coordinator, and that guy at least has some head coaching experience as well as, you know, uh, uh, coaching a lot of different uh, positions, whereas Walton has coached D-backs, and he's coached um, D-backs, and he's coached uh, D-backs. So, come on, these, this guy's not a professional. He's an assistant moving his way up the, up the lines here. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Well, let me ask you this, man. What, what we, the Rams still have seven games left to play in this season. What would you like to see out of this team that maybe would convince you that at least they deserve another year, Tim Walton, the second year, Brian Schottenheimer, a third year, to try to improve? And with everybody coming back, maybe not a two thousand, maybe a thousand dollar Super Bowl bet next year, maybe a five hundred dollar. Maybe you want, maybe you want to rein that in a little bit. What would convince you that these guys deserve Shotty another chance? Shotty has never had a winning season as a football coach. I mean, a couple games over five hundred doesn't cut it for me. And he hasn't changed one bit. He tried in the beginning of the season to be that pro coach, and it failed miserably. And people were all like, really? Is this what's really going to be happening? I mean, this doesn't even make any sense. I, I'm sorry, but I would do what the Ravens did and fire their offensive coordinator in the middle of the year because we need to start now and prepare for next year because what we have is going to be just upsetting a lot of Rams fans. And they're going to lose a lot of tickets and they're going to lose a lot of people who are not getting are signing up for their Sunday ticket. I mean, you gotta, you know, you gotta start, you know, the the, you know, the pipers come. <laughs> so, so I don't know. I just, I'm just really upset. I'm really frustrated. How the how the hell could a really good defense all of a sudden turn bad, even though you pick up a couple great people? You know, I don't know. I think I just don't know. That's one of the big questions of the season, isn't it? I, th- I think that's going to be one of those things that. We're going to be looking for answers for, and I think we've been looking for answers for that all season, haven't we? That you know, when, when the they say, that this, you know, oh, God, when they say, well, oh, are, are we losing that guy who's having the D backs play ten, fifteen yards off the line of scrimmage? Good. That makes me wonder. Wait a minute. <laughs> what's what's going to be different for us? So, I mean, I'm 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 over it. You know, you know, I'm I'm happy with uh, doing the no defensive coach for, as they did last year because it seemed to work pretty well. Or maybe it was the the William. What's the guy's? What was the coach last year who got thrown out? His son, Greg Williams and oh, Brian Williams. Yeah, his, I guess you know his son didn't do a pretty bad job after all. But I mean, if it was just him and, and Fisher calling, I think Fisher's a great coach. I don't think he's picking his um, coordinators very well. I mean, I leave it at that. But I'm I'm upset <laughs> to say the Good least. Stuff. Hey Drew, what's your screen name on Churchill Times, man? Uh, a big Roman. Oh, well, big Roman. Not, a, sm- right, good. not a small one, a big one. There you go. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, thanks for calling in, brother. All right, take care, guys. Thanks. I'm in. <laughs> good stuff. Well, there you go, man. Good stuff from everybody calling in tonight. Um, again, we were we were mid-college wrap-up, so let's go back there and make it quick. I know it's not much of a segue, but with Van out, the master of segues is not with us. Uh, as I mentioned, Thursday night you got Oklahoma Baylor ten at six. 
and Oregon at Stanford, number three at number five. So you got two top ten matchups for your Thursday night football. And certainly at the NFL level, you've got some NFL football to check out as well on Thursday. And, you know, it's Thursday night football, so it's not always that special. Maybe it makes it even easier to turn into the uh, the college level. But who knows? The Redskins are three and five. It's the Redskins uh, Vikings, excuse me, on Thursday. Um, and with the Rams controlling that first-round pick, maybe that's what uh, a lot of Rams fans are going to want to see is if maybe the Vikings can get off the schneid, almost got that win against Dallas last weekend. Uh, maybe they pick one off from the Redskins at home in Minnesota and help out the Rams' draft fortunes for 2014. But speaking of the draft, you got Louisville going on Friday night, so you got another Teddy Bridgewater opportunity there on ESPN2 that's going to be at 8.30. And then Saturday is kind of a low-inducing uh, afternoon as you get through on route to the big game. Florida State's got a week wake force opportunity at noon, but – at number two, obviously, they're worth the eyeballs if you haven't seen famous Jameis Winston yet and the rest of that team. Missouri, Auburn are both going number eight and number nine at noon. Missouri's got Kentucky. Auburn's got Tennessee. That Tennessee offensive line, again, if you haven't seen them, there's a reason why I talk about them pretty much every week on the college open thread. You want to check those guys out. USC Cal's going to be an interesting game at 3 o'clock on Fox. Some NFL talent there, certainly. But at 3.30, you got Mississippi State at Texas A&M. It's going to be another opportunity to get – uh, Jake Matthews and uh, Johnny Manziel and a lot of talent from that A&M side. Mississippi State may send a couple guys, but this is their off year, so don't expect too much from them. And obviously at Texas A&M, uh, that could be a big romp. But it's worth checking in if you've got nothing else going on at 330 because the rest of the slate looks pretty thin all the way up to number 13 LSU at number one Alabama, 8 o'clock. Prime NFL scouting, we're going to have it at the College Open Thread. I'll be dropping prospects aplenty uh, in that one because I'll probably just do an all-day open thread since the slate's so weak. I am going to have open the Thursday uh, football thread where we can talk about the Redskins-Viking games, but also some of the college stuff since we got those two good games. But that LSU-Bama one, you're definitely going to want to check in Saturday, maybe early afternoon, late afternoon before the, we get too close to the game so you get a good sense of who's in action because you're talking about probably more than a dozen NFL guys in action on Saturday night, LSU at Alabama. It's got everything, man. NFL scouting, national implications, recruiting, the eyeball storylines. It's the kind of college football game that everybody can enjoy. Plus, it's SEC and it's craziness. It's going to be crazy. It's Les Miles and Nick Saban. Somebody's going to eat grass. Somebody's going to yell at players. And it may be the same person. It may not be Les Miles or Nick Saban. Who knows? It may be Smith. Smith may show up and just start yelling at people. You know, He's not the yelling type, but you never know. Um Again, thanks to everybody for calling calling in. Uh, good show tonight. Thanks to Matt Greco calling in from Stampede Blue. Fun talking to him. Great analytical stuff. If you missed that, you want to go ahead and rewind it and catch that stuff. Uh, it's your boy 3K. We're going to catch you next Thursday, as always, with another interesting week of college football. But first up, another interesting week of NFL football and Rams football ahead of us, guys. Stay strong. It's going to be. It's going to take some patience. It's going to take some commitment. Uh, but. You know, we get a good look at a lot of these guys, a really young team that is going to be fighting for uh, a future in this team, on this team in, in the NFL. So there's a lot to uh, analyze, a lot to think about, and certainly getting into the offseason ahead, you know, weeks like this are going to be the kind of weeks that we look back and say, okay, what did we learn from this week that, that can tell us something about what we need to know moving forward. So it's going to be interesting times. As always, this your boy 3K. Thanks for calling in for Tertial Radio. Go Rams.
bad Jackie and I'm starting this off. The Rams get down so nobody scoff. And don't you worry, cause the Rams are rapping. When game time comes, we'll be back to that. We can't sing and our dance is not pretty. But we'll do our best for the team and the city. So get on your feet and clap your hands. Let's ram it right now with the L.A. Rams. Hollywood Hanson, Dodge City Tough. If you throw it my way, it's gonna get rough. I like to ram it, as you can see. Nobody likes ramming any more than me. They call me Jeter. Nobody dresses sweeter. But under this cool is a quarterback mistreater. I come from the end, looking for the sack. I don't stop coming till I put them on the back. This limousine with it, my moves are like dreams. They call me the demon on special team. I know how to rock from the toes to the head. When I pull the trigger, I'll knock you dead. I'm a mountain man from West VA. They call me Herc and I came to play. I learned long ago to ram it just right. You can ram it all day and ram it all night. Style and class, if you come my way, I'll knock you on your ass. Such a name's intimidated. I pass it my way, I'll see you later. Quick on my feet, the ladies agree. Before they know it, they'll ram it with me. The Iceman cometh, the roar is the name. I cover the corner, interception's my game. Score more than anybody else on the beat, cause I move like a cat, as you will see. The guys call me tickets that are dick son. I lead the range, I'm the ram top gun. They say I'm as smooth as a runner can be. Even sweetness and the others are talking about me. I like to dance and have a lot of fun. When it comes to ladies, what a brainy one. But enough about me, we hit a ram it, you see. If you ram it just right, you can ram it all night.
rings. Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play, brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories, like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0, or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.